0: The Big Reveal, you're listening to Are We There Yet, the radio show exploring space exploration. Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. They're here. The first images from James Webb Space Telescope are out, revealing thousands of ancient galaxies, a dying star, a quintet of dancing galaxies, a stellar nursery, and a close-up look at a planet outside our own solar system. The images are stunning and only just the beginning. We'll break down this first batch of images with Florida Institute of Technology's Eric Perlman and talk about what's to come from this brand new observatory in the sky then jwst promises to change the way we understand our universe and how we teach about it we'll speak with high school astronomy teacher kyle jeter about how jwst may inspire new students to learn about the sky and change the textbooks they'll read the first light collected from the jwst that's ahead on are we there yet here on wmfe america space station It launched in December and is now revealing stunning images of our universe and giving us a mind-boggling look at our teeny-tiny place within it. NASA and the White House released the first images from this mega-telescope, collecting ancient photons from space and shedding light on our cosmic history and universal place. And every image is a new discovery and each will give humanity a view of the universe that we've never seen before. As NASA Administrator Bill Nelson mentioned just there, this is a big deal for astronomy, physics, and our understanding of the universe. We're going to talk about these images. And yes, I know talking about pictures on the radio is a bit of a challenge. So we went ahead and posted these first light photos on our website. Visit wmfe.org space. So go check them out as you listen along. And to break down these findings and what might be left to come, we've reached out to Eric Perlman. He's an observational astrophysicist at the Florida Institute of Technology, or Florida Tech, in Melbourne. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. So Eric, I, th- I think I know the answer to this question, but this image release did it meet or exceed your expectations today?
1: It exceeded my expectations, and, and all all five, by the way, they all exceeded my expectations in
0: just so many ways. It's incredible. How important of an, an event is this to to your field, to to observational astronomy? just just how how big of a deal was this? It, it's incredibly
1: important. Uh, and it's incredibly important for a whole variety of reasons. First of all, because this is a mission, this is a telescope that I've been waiting for literally for 30 years. Uh, and so I first started hearing about what became Webb in the mid 1990s. And I was a postdoc at the space telescope science Institute between 96 and 99 and they were planning uh what would become web at that time so uh I was there for the start of the mission and then moved around for various jobs and so christmas christmas day last year was when it was launched and um you know I got up very early on on christmas morning which I'm jewish so Normally I don't get up on Christmas morning. I got up on Christmas morning and I watched the launch and then the trajectory was better than we thought, right? So we had more fuel and then each instrument, oh, this is better than we thought it could be. This one's better than we thought it could be, right? So each one, each one has worked even better than we thought. And then these
0: images, to To follow along with with your Christmas uh, analogy, it's Christmas in July for astronomers, right? <laughs> I mean,
1: but yeah, every one of these images, it was like unwrapping a present that kept on giving because the other thing that you keep doing with each one of these images, move over here and then zoom in and move over to that one and then zoom And each one, there's a million different details that you zoom in on, and
0: there's just amazing new stuff. Eric, let, let's see if we can dive into some of these images in the time that we have here. Um, you mentioned the first image that was released last night, um, this this deep field image. Something very fascinating that will stand out to a lot of people is there's kind of these stretchings of galaxies, and this is, this is something called gravitational lensing, right? Can you explain what we're actually looking at here?
1: Right. So what gravitational lensing is. Is it something that was predicted by Albert Einstein? Um, Mass bends space and time. Okay. And because light travels along the shortest path in a bent space time, right? And that space time is bent by the matter. When it passes by a large mass, like a galaxy, or like a cluster of galaxies, its path gets bent. Okay. And a great way to think of this is if you pick up a glass, right? In your, in your kitchen, if you pick up a glass and you look at a light bulb, right, you will, you will see that the light from that light bulb becomes rings. And if you look at the image of that cluster, that's exactly what you're seeing, right? So these distant galaxies that you're looking at, they have become rings. And um, you don't see the to- the whole ring, right? You're seeing little bits of rings. And in some cases, you're seeing four, six, eight, nine, ten 10 images of the same galaxy. And so... Uh, what's amazing about the um, web image is not that we're just seeing these. We, we knew that they were there, right? Because we saw them in the Hubble image. But there's many, many times more of these, many, many times fainter. And so that's what's amazing, right? Many, many more, many, many times fainter. And then just the detail, right? If you want to zoom in on one of these any one of these right you zoom in and you can see the individual clusters of stars uh where they're being formed right these are the nurseries of the very first stars that form so we're going back to the creation of the first stars in the universe and the first galaxies in the universe incredibly exciting. one
0: of Speaking of these these stellar nurseries, one of the images that was released today was the it was the final image. Um, it's already my desktop wallpaper at this point. is is the Carina Nebula. I, this is just an absolutely stunning image with incredible contrast and sharpness. What are we looking at here, and why is this so exciting to to physicists like yourself?
1: Yeah, so it's it's so exciting because this is the kind of region where the sun was born four and a half billion years ago. We are looking at the creation of new stars and we are looking at the place where they are being born. And our sun was born in one of these places four and a half billion years ago. And if we look at each one of the stars in the Corina Nebula, each one of them is a new sun and a new solar system being born. We're looking at this process as it happens. And then the other thing we're looking at, so all of that gas, right? This is multiple things, right? Because it is A, the gas that the stars are being formed out of. B, when they start turning on, they begin to expel matter around them. So it is the gas that they are throwing out and lighting up. So it, it, it is all of those things. And you, yeah, the 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 detail—it's incredible, and it's it's just amazing. And I can't find enough things to say about it.
0: There, there's also there's also Stephen's Quintet, which is this this collection of five galaxies that are kind of dancing with within or, or with one another. Um, why is this so fascinating to to astronomers like yourself? We're seeing five different galaxies interacting with each other, right? That's that's awesome.
1: That's that's awesome, and. Um, So, galaxy interactions are the engines of basically galaxy transformation. Okay. Galaxies are not uh, quiet things. Okay. They run into each other. When they run into each other, stars are formed, gas is thrown around, the galaxies combine, and amazing things happen, you know, in the process. So, what we're seeing is these don't look like normal galaxies, right? They have tails and they have lots of clusters where stars are forming. And also one of the things that was a big surprise, so my specialty is active galactic nuclei, active black holes. And that one up at the top of the image, at the north end of the image, we didn't know that it had an active nucleus. And we have thought... For a long time, that one of the things that happens when galaxies collide is, yes, stars form, right? And they form particularly in the center because gas uh, is going to find the center because it's going to, you know, collapse down in. But then it also collapses in to the black hole in the center and that's when the black hole becomes active.
0: Fascinating, and so you're you're observing this, right? You're, you're seeing this now. exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly, awesome. and 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 this is this is the first time we're seeing it. Very cool. There's also another one I'd like to chat about, which is the Southern Ring Nebula. Now, now this has been captured by by Hubble before, but this is you know an absolutely stunning image. But what are, what are we seeing in, in the Southern Ring Nebula observation?
1: So what we're seeing, let me let me let me step back. The Southern Ring Nebula is a planetary nebula, right? It is a star that was a lot like the sun that um, ran out of hydrogen in its core and puffed up into a red giant. And then after a while, it started to lose mass uh, because uh, the fusion in its core and in the shells around basically began to go out. And, you know, it ran out of fuel. And when it ran out of fuel, it started to puff out the mass um, that was created, that, 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 that was around it, right? So the amazing new thing that we're seeing in that, and this is just what I found so incredible in that image, is all of these shells, okay? So if you look at it, and we couldn't see this with Hubble, if you look at it, it's not just a smooth, cloud of gas. No, it is layer upon layer upon layer of material that is puffed out in episodes. And um, this is our first look at the process that creates these nebulae, but also the first look at this. this This is like taking core samples, right? So my daughter is in geology right and she has spent the summer she's in an internship right now doing core samples and then analyzing them this is the core sample of a star that died right each of these layers each of these layers is an episode where the star blew off a lot of its mass and we look when we take spectra of each of these we will be able to say okay it blew off this layer and this layer had this and that in it and we can probably trace it back to you know when it came up from the inside of the star it's incredibly exciting
0: and and eric the the final uh release that we're going to talk about wasn't an image itself but to me i think this was the most fascinating thing because i am Completely enamored by exoplanets, but we actually you're, l- you're talking about yeah WASP ninety six b. What what are we seeing here? Because we're this this is absolutely incredible to scientists. It's it's not as visually as exciting, but it's super exciting, right? right? It, it, it's not eye candy, right?
1: <laughs> but but the amazing thing here is that so this is a spectrum, right? And that spectrum shows water in the atmosphere of an exoplanet, but not just any exoplanet. This is an exoplanet that is at a 1,000 degrees. Okay, a 1,000 degrees. So it is many times hotter than what it takes to boil water. And there's tons of water vapor in it, which means there's clouds in that, mat- that atmosphere. And which also means that if you look at a cooler planet, there's going to be a lot of water too. But then if you think about it, It also means a lot more things because where there's water, there's life, right? So we have been thinking, we being astronomers, that the places where life could exist are planets like the Earth, right? Well, um, that might not be completely right. It might be that there are many more places for life in the universe and that there could be life on
0: WASP 96B at a thousand degrees because there's water. And finally, Eric, before I have to let you go, what's ahead? I mean, what are you most excited about for, for this? I mean, these are just the first five images. What's next? (laughs) What's next? I don't know what's
1: next, (laughs) but, but, but I mean, this is what makes it most, most exciting to me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, this is unwrapping a new gift with every image. And every image is going to be more amazing
0: than the last. Eric Perlman is an observational astronomer at the Florida Institute of Technology in Melbourne. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brendan. Still to come, how these images may be inspiring a new generation of stargazers in the classroom. Are we there yet is back in a minute. listening to Are We There Yet? Here on WMFE, I'm Brendan Byrne. We're talking about the so-called first light images of the James Webb Space Telescope, a set of five images captured by JWST that are also capturing the fascination of scientists and space fans alike. Similar first light images from another space telescope, Hubble, inspired our next guest to offer astronomy classes to his high school students. Now with a new set of first light images, he expects to see another boom in astronomical interest at his school. To talk more about the impact JWST will have on science education, we're joined by Kyle Jeter. He's an astronomy teacher at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, my alma mater. Go Eagles. Kyle, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. And I should say, Mr. Jeter, right?
2: Oh, well, it <laughs> As doesn't a teacher, matter. Mr. Jeter. It <laughs> doesn't matter. It's fine. Uh,
0: the James Webb Space Telescope, it launched back in December Thinking back to that, um, what was the conversation like in, in your classroom? What were you talking about and and what were your students saying about this kind of enormous milestone that was happening at the time?
2: One of the things I love to do with my students, we keep track of current events throughout the year. And so this was just I told them from the beginning of the school year, this is going to be the biggest current event of our school year. And now, of course, it's gonna be the biggest current event of the coming school year as well. But just the launch, the excitement, and it leads to so many topics, just the launch itself. The fact, as soon as I heard years ago that they were gonna park this thing out by the L2 point, I was already like, wow, that's pretty interesting because that's not typical, you know, to go out that far in an orbit. So you're, you're bringing up discussions immediately of, okay, why is this infrared, for example? You know, why, why would they build this next generation telescope and have it focus on infrared versus visible? So you have sort of the orbital mechanics of, of why it's being launched to that spot. You could talk about, we definitely talked about some of the instrumentation on board. And uh, like I said, the, the infrared, what's the point of that? What is it going to be able to do its capabilities that are different than, let's say, the Hubble. In what in what ways is it truly, you know, a successor to the Hubble? And yet, it's a very different instrument. So we had a lot to talk about with it last year, throughout the school year. And I, I was kind of hoping that the first images might be released at the end of last school year. But that's okay. Now I've got some time to, to get things ready for next school year and uh, start fresh with some new new material. So Kyle, with
0: with these. You mentioned this was the biggest news story of uh, your last school year, and now with these images released, this is going to be the biggest news story of, of this school year. Um, what do you think is going to be the most important things for your students that you're going to discuss now that these images are are, are released? Um, what are some of the topics and things that, that you'll be able to discuss now that you can see what James Webb is actually capable of?
2: Well, first of all, I think it's important to understand that it's going to – revolutionize so many different areas of astronomy. I mean, in in terms of as a teacher, just about every chapter eventually will be affected by this, just like my chapters were with the Hubble uh, long ago. I mean, eventually, it just added to everything. If if you think of uh, astronomy as the story of our universe and the story, specific stories of stars and of galaxies, this is adding chapters, new chapters to every single one of those stories. So you know, already uh, just looking at the the target list that they released, um, you already have this great variety. You have star forming nebulae up to galaxy clusters uh, to the spectrum of an exoplanet. So I just know throughout the entire year, and really for as long as I teach, we're going to be learning new things from James Webb. I mean, it really it really is a new era
0: with with these images. I mean. I'm thinking back to the release of the Hubble Space Telescope images. I mean, these are like real gee whiz moments that inspire not only people who are interested or studying astronomy, but just the general public. I mean, do you foresee these images having a profound impact on on your students, much like the Hubble Space Telescope did for that generation of, of students and, and people that were looking to the sky?
2: Well, I hope so. You know, I really hope so because that's, that's really why I started a class in astronomy. I, I'd started teaching in 94 and all of these incredible Hubble images are coming out. And so by 97, I start my class and now this is gonna be my 25th year of teaching that class, teaching astronomy. And so that's, you know, I've seen this story before and I hope it uh, unfolds the same way where it does engage the public in a, in a big way. And uh, like I said, because no matter what aspect of astronomy you're into, whether it's exoplanets or uh, galaxy formation or stars, it's going to affect that. And I hope these images, we're going to find out very soon, you know, uh, what they look like. And I'm sure there will be a lot of comparisons. You know, they'll show here's the Hubble's best picture of the Karina Nebula. And now let's compare that to JWST. And hopefully that immediately will let people. Oh, okay, now I see why this is an important investment and how we can look deeper into space and deeper into the universe and deeper into the past uh, than ever before.
0: In your 25 years of teaching, have you kind of seen interest in space ebb and flow like this? And, And, you know, where is the interest today? and then you know looking at your crystal ball where will the interest be next school year when you have such an impactful news story like this and such an impactful finding with with jwst
2: where where are we going like i said i hope i mean i think when i started in the 90s you know it was a a golden age there when when hubble came out and i really think that i can't remember a more exciting time i mean with with space science and 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 everything from the, the artemis program uh to what spacex is doing and then, you know, adding this in with JWST and a whole new generation of ground-based telescopes, there's a lot going on. And I think that as science educators, as science communicators, if we can get that out to the public and let people know, people don't understand, you know, there's a lot going on in the world and in people's lives. And so it's in kind of incumbent upon us to get that out there and let people know how exciting it is. So I hope that it really catches fire and we could use that. I mean, I think as, as a, as a country, as, as humanity, you know, we could use some, some good news and some exciting things to talk about and things that we could all kind of enjoy and get behind and learn from.
0: You know, we both are predicting that this will drum up a lot of public interest in, in astronomy and the night sky. Um, You know, with these image images released, and, and what if, you know, people may want to take a look to the sky themselves and, and try to see some of these objects, you know, after this, you know, this momentous event, uh, inspires them. I know along with teaching in the classroom, Mr. Jeter, you are also, uh, an astrophotographer, um, backyard astronomer, (laughs) we can say, uh, what are some good ways for us to
2: be able to partake in astronomy ourselves, uh, after this event? You know i think my one piece of advice i have for everybody is that if you're just getting into it you you really want to start simple start simple don't jump in and go spend thousands of dollars on a fancy you know telescope right off the bat and camera start simple see if it's something that you really want to get into because there is there is a learning curve involved um i know this because for example every year i have people offer me telescopes all the time hey i have this telescope it's been sitting in the garage <laughs> you know for 10 years and they'll, they'll describe it I'll Be like hey you need to dust that off bring it over to one of my astronomy nights and either myself or my students or my colleagues let, let's show you how to use that um so I, I always say start simple and i'm gonna give you one example that i i think is kind of cool and it's absolutely free and it's something that really couldn't be done you know let's say 10 years ago i was um uh, camping with my son, uh, Kyle Sebastian, a couple of years ago, and we're walking along. I said, okay, what's, what's that constellation? I think it was Orion, you know, so he knew that one. And he said, hold on, I'm going to take a picture. And he gets out his cell phone. And I said, um, I don't remember how many years ago this was, but I'm like, a, a, I don't think you're going to be able to take a picture that, you know, the cell phone cameras can't pick up the faint stars like that. Well, he had a brand new camera, you know, at the time, brand new phone and uh, mine was an older generation model and he takes this really wonderful picture I, I felt kind of stupid he shows me this i'm like wow you're kidding me and so this new generation of phones that, again the cameras are so much better they've improved so much that you can just take really decent pictures of the night sky so if you already have the phone it doesn't cost you anything and then you can find you know some free software like Stellarium. Stellarium is my go-to in class. Um, the Stellari- the web version is free. Uh, you can pay a little bit for the app, which which I definitely think is worth it. But either way, you know you could take pictures of the sky and just start learning the sky that way. So that's kind of a cool way to get into it. You take pictures of the sky. You go home. You open up Stellarium. Uh, you could even then you know use the drawing tools on your phone to sort of connect the dots and label the stars. And it's just kind of a cool way to get into it.
0: Kyle Jeter, or Mr. Jeter as I knew him, roaming the hallways of Douglas uh, many, many years ago is as an astronomy teacher at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Kyle, thank you so much for, for joining us and very much looking forward to... Uh, hearing what your students say about it next semester.
2: Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on again. I think it's just a really exciting time in astronomy.
0: And as I mentioned, you can see all of those first light images on our website. Visit WMFE.org slash Are We There Yet? And I want to hear your reaction to these images. Are they your new desktop background or phone lock screen? What are you feeling after seeing deeply into our universe like never before? You can tweet the show at AWTYspace or send us an email, yet? at wmfe.org. I'd love to share your reactions with our listeners in the coming weeks. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. We'll have more coverage of JWST's findings on upcoming shows, so be sure to subscribe to the show's podcast feed. You can do that on NPR One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, or visit WMFE.org slash Are We There Yet. Are We There Yet is a production of WMFE, America's Space Station. Editorial guidance this week from LaToya Dennis, and our intern is Caroline Brockler. Support for Are We There Yet comes from our listeners, and until next week, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening.